0: This is the 4-Man Rush Hello Panther fans, and welcome to another podcast of the 4-Man Rush I'm your host Timmy VO, here with Kevin and Will And we're going to talk about the Combine And we're going to talk about some news related to the Carolina Panthers In terms of moving some players around We got some players who are leaving, potential players that might be getting traded so we can gather some picks and all that good stuff. Um, We'll talk about the PSL letters that went out. Um, You know, Tepper's trying to uh, kind of pave way on on what he's going to do in his thought process in terms of gathering um, a winning franchise and putting it out there on the field for us every Sunday or Monday or Thursday, whenever we're playing. Um, so we'll talk about that. And plenty of other news that you guys might not have heard about in, in relation to the Carolina Panthers. So, thank you everyone for joining us uh, for tonight's podcast. Um, so up first, we're just gonna talk about the combine. If you if you haven't been following the combine, the, the NFL Combine, it was uh um uh, this past seen Thursday through Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Um it, practically a week. Week and a half long, almost man. They've been, they've been hyping that up forever. Um, but there's some crazy athleticism out there. Um, this is going to be a pretty deep draft. Um, whether you like offensive linemen, wide receivers, um, you know, linebacker, course, pretty. I mean, there's there's a lot of crazy athletic individuals out there. So um, let's we'll, let's let's get started talking about that first, fellows. Uh, Will, let's go to you first. Um, who did you like, and what did you see, and you know, what's up?
1: Yeah, the first thing I noticed about this combine, man, is the offensive line talent. I just can't remember just seeing a group of offensive linemen with this much athleticism, yeah. agility, speed, explosiveness. I mean, big guys are just not supposed to move like this. I mean, if there's ever really? a year to draft an offensive tackle, get your franchise left tackle, right tackle, wherever you want to put them, I, I think this is that year. I mean, it starts with uh, the guy that impressed me the most was Makai Beckton. You know, weighed in at three hundred and sixty-seven pounds, six foot seven, and a five-one forty at that size. I mean, come on now. I mean, this
0: guy—he
1: was one of the guys I felt last week would show out. I mean, I saw him as high school highlights of him dunking basketballs, and he didn't disappoint. Man, it's just a big guy; he moves great. I'd love to have him at seven you know shore up that left tackle position he's got the feet he's got the athleticism the length everything you want all the traits you look for and what you want for your franchise left tackle and I mean it doesn't end there though Tristan worst from Iowa phenomenal performance I think he ran a four eight forty one of the fastest times ever for an offensive tackle yeah. so great feet fluid movement uh, you know another you know it's just you just not you just not, don't used to see this very often and that just the performance of Becton and Werfs it overshadows other guys who I also thought performed well. Andrew Thomas, I thought, I had a very good day. So I think the offensive lineman just stood out to me the most in watching the combine this past weekend. I thought the uh, wide receiver group was extremely impressive. Yeah, man. I think it's going to be um, – I feel sorry for guys like Jerry Judy and C.D. Lamb because his wide receiver class is so deep, and I think it's so deep that it's going to hurt their draft stock. So it's, gonna, teams are going to say, I don't need to take Judy in the top 10. I can get a wide receiver on day two or three and still get a quality guy. I can come in and contribute right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judy ran a sub 4-5-40. I think CeeDee Lamb did as well. But more importantly, just the drills. They were just great you know, great hands, great routes, you know, showed great agility. And they just put on a show when they were doing the, running the different route concepts. So I thought they were impressive. Henry Ruggs was probably the best athlete out of the receiver group. In hmm. a four two eight forty, I believe, or four two seven. I mean, he was flying. I think he had over a forty inch vertical. I mean, it's just a phenomenal athlete. It's like, what are they feeding these kids, man? It's <laughs> coming out there and pressing like this. What's in the water? Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I thought the quarterbacks looked pretty good. Uh, Justin Herbert did everything he needed to do. But more importantly, I think Jalen Hurts and Jordan Love, I thought, just showed great athleticism as well. They showed great arm talent, made every throw. Jalen Hurts erased all doubts from all these media people trying to tell this kid he's not a quarterback, play wide receiver, play running back. You know, this thing that black quarterbacks have had to go through for the last 5, 10, 15 years. Uh-huh. You know, I'm just proud of what he was able to come out there and do. You know, he just was very crisp on all of his passes. He, you know, he's not staring down his receivers, just showing those small things, good fundamentals. And I think he's going to go higher than a lot of people think. I think he ran a 4 5, forty, which is great for a quarterback position. So look out for him. And then Jordan Love as well. I mean, he's also a raw, talented quarterback. Ran a good 40, showed great arm talent. So those guys, I think, really helped their draft stop. So that's pretty much what I saw on the offensive
0: side of the ball. So I let Kev talk about right on, right on. more of the offense. Right on, Kev. I know you've been working your ass off, man. But what, what, what did you catch? What did you catch from the combine?
2: Yeah, well, for me, what I, what I noticed about the combine was a lot of the new drills that they implemented to the combine to show off players' uh, diversity with their athleticism and their abilities. Uh, one of the ones that I enjoyed watching the most was the one where it looked like they had like two huge, um, I don't, don't want to say hula hoops, but it was like really two big. Yeah, they looked like two big ass hula hoops. Yeah, and yeah. they had a towel inside each one that was rolled up. Hmm. And what the plan was was to circle around the towel, circle around, grab the towel, and then circle around the other one and drop in the, in these, the second um, hula hoop. You know in like uh under six seconds you know just to show that you know to show that bend to show that you know ability to have body control mm-hmm. you know you had a lot of players you know that that were able to do it smoothly some kind of stumbled and fumbled through it uh a couple guys you know they didn't even pick up the towel they just they just ran around in circles it was you could tell it was a lot of uh <laughs> it was a lot of newness to it but um but overall, though, man, I, I just really enjoyed the fact that that we were able to finally, you know, get some numbers to go behind uh, the game tape of why these players excelled the way they did throughout the college uh, throughout their college career. Um, you know, we touched on a lot of the a uh, lot of the guys on um, offense, particular line the tackles with uh, Makai Becton and and Worse and, and Thomas. Um, I was kind of impressed with the uh, with the uh, interior lineman, which is. You know, we'll get to that a little bit later on why interior offensive linemen just may certainly be more urgent for the Carolina Panthers. Mm. Um, right, we'll touch on that later. But yeah, I, I, you know, I just like guys like um, one of the ones that Larry put us on to Nick Harris out of the University of Washington. Uh, I think he put on a very solid performance. Uh, showed his versatility to play not only center but guard. And that's one thing that um, I like from the Rivera era was the emphasis... The last couple of years on position flexibility, uh, other players that I that I like was from uh, LSU, uh, uh, Lord Cushenberry. Mm-hmm. Um, easily, we're talking about someone that if the Panthers was going to make a run at a uh, quote, quote unquote post-paratus uh, center to um, hold it down, this would be the guy that I would like. I mean, you're talking about somebody with great length. It's good leverage, good footwork, uh, and a lot of power. So you take someone that can control their body and get that kind of weight up under them with some athleticism. You know, it's gonna be some people moved up pop the way. Like you know, come on, bro. I gotta get this first down. You on my way,
0: man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I definitely like you know Ooh, bitch, like that aspect way. of it. Um, as far as like the, on the defense, man. It, it, I don't know if it's me, fellas, but it just seemed like these defensive linemen are just becoming faster. You know, I mean, we're seeing more and more defensive guys running in the in the in the low in the um mid to upper 40s now than I've ever seen in a long time, particularly at you know, DN and edge players. Um had a lot of guys just really making plays as far as like, you know, their ability to like get that bend. That's something that you know, Will started putting me onto last year when he, he brought up Brian Burns. You know, talking about man this bend that he's got. And I'm like, what do you mean by bend? And now I I see exactly what he's talking about. You know, that ability to get up under, you know, the blocker to uh, get get that path to the quarterback. So, but overall, I was just really impressed with with um, with the new drills that they implemented and and how it allowed these players to really, you know, add some add some numbers that can possibly affect their draft status, whether it's good or for bad. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think, I still take game feel over combine metrics um, any day, you know, they wanted um, to, exactly. they want to try to water down my favorite, my, 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 bromance crush of the draft, Derrick Brown, you know, we can discuss that <laughs> a little bit more trying to all of a sudden say, he's not a top 10 player because of a damn cone drill, you know, but, um, yeah, keep that same energy when them pads come back on. Yeah, I mean, we oh, uh, me
1: like I mean, got a center guard guy. He ran a 5 one forty as well. Mm. So I think that's very impressive for an interior lineman. The defensive side of the ball, I mean, the guy, I'm not surprised because I, I watched it on film all year, and he's just been a guy on my radar for a while now. Isaiah Simmons just blew everything out the water. I think his athletic score was a perfect 10. Mm. He ran a 439, 6'4, 230. You know, broad jump crazy, vertical was like 39 inches. Mm. So I think he oh he made himself some money at the combine. Unfortunately, he might go in the top five now. So he oh, may not uh, drop, be there when we pick, we've plenty of other options if that's the case. So he was a standout of linebacker. I thought um Kenneth Murray, K9 Murray from Oklahoma was solid. You no, know, ran a four five two, which is still great for a linebacker, but just compared yeah. to, you know, what Simmons was able to do, everyone thinks four five is kind of a boring time, but <laughs> you guys gotta realize look, how yeah. fast a man running a four or five forty is moving. That's why I right. thought um K9 Murray had a put a nice athletic profile a along with his tape. Cornerbacks, that was probably one of my favorite groups of the day. You no know, Okuda, just great feet, fluid hips. You no know, moonwalking out there during drills, man. A four-five about, showed good length. You know, he had good measurements. He's gonna be the probably the best corner in the draft far and away. I think it's basically you got Okuda, who's just the class of this corner class, and then the rest in this combine just kind of confirmed that. Uh, C.J. Henderson from Florida was probably one of my favorite corner in this combine. He um, probably worked his way into the possibly a top ten pick. You know, I'm looking at number nine at Jacksonville. They just lost Ramsey. They just lost Bouye. So um, C.J. Henderson might be a guy. He ran a sub-4, 440. Mm -hmm. Again, fluid hips, you know, great feet, you know, great smooth transitions, good ball skills. You know, he displayed all of that. So I was really happy with what I saw from the cornerbacks, uh, from the safety position. Kyle Duggar, Lenore Ryan, guy I spoke about last week. Uh, he showed out, ran a four five forty. You know, six two two thirty or six two two. I think not two thirty. Think like two ten two fifteen. I have to double check that.
0: Shout out but to I Hickory. He,
1: you know, he probably solidified himself as a day one or day two pick. So if you can't get somebody like Isaiah Simmons on day one, I mean Kyle Duggar will be sitting there. You know, possibly at pick thirty eight. So I was really impressed with the DBs as far as the um, edge rushers. The guys I thought would show out didn't work out. I think Calavion Chaseon didn't work out. Chase Young didn't work out. Baylor's uh, James Lynch. You know, I thought he had a surprising performance. You know, he had a very high athletic score. You know, a guy Matt Rule coached at Baylor, very productive in terms of sacks and quarterback pressures. Mm-hmm. So I think he might have helped his draft stock and look for him. Maybe Matt Rule brings his guy home, and we really spoke highly of Matt Rule during the interview process. Yeah. Ah, cool. uh, Derek Brown, he was, we I mean, had an average athletic score. I think because of how dominant he was on tape, people expected him to be a top tier caliber athlete as well. I don't think it was bad. I mean, he's 6'4", 2, uh, 6'4" 3, sorry, 330. He ran a one forty, which I mean, a big guy moving like that. That's moving. I don't know why that's a disappointing time all
0: right. at all. Exactly. I mean,
1: he did 28 reps on the bench press. I mean, that's <laughs> solid no. as you can get as well. People are concerned about his cone times. I don't think it's... I mean, I understand the concern because you look at the elite defensive tackles in the NFL, they're um, complete. They can stuff the run and then they have the ability to pass rush as well, bend and get to the quarterback. You know, your top tier guys like and Sue, Aaron Donald, those guys they all have elite agility to go along with their explosiveness and strength. But Derrick Brown, to me, he's not in that Tier, he's more of your Haloti Nada, the guy that's going to take on double teams, do the dirty work, be that run stuffer. And that's just as important to be a part of your defense. You know, some people will say, would you not take that at seven? Was that worth a top 10 pick? When I look at our run defense last year and how much of an impact player he could be, I say yes. I mean, Haloti Nada was a 12th pick in the draft. I'm sure the Ravens, you know, got a return on in that investment in every which way possible. Mm. So, I mean, Derek Brown's not going to be the sexy pick. He's not going to be the fancy pick that everybody's going to, you know, be flashy and get high volume in terms of sacks and quarterback pressures. But you'll see the immediate impact he'll have on your defense to allow Shaq Thompson and Kwan Short and Brian Burns to be able to draw one-on-ones and do what they need to do. So, I mean, I'm not going to dismiss the combine completely. I mean, why did they do it in the first place? But I think people just need to take a – Step back on Derrick Brown's agility times. Just realize, you know, what is he really? What is he really going to bring to the table? He's a dominant, you know, run stuff and defensive tackle. You know, when he can still push the pocket, you know, he's powerful, gets good leverage, and I I just think there's a lot of value in taking him at seven still, despite what his agility times show. Hmm. And plus, just keep an eye on his pro day this Friday. He'll do his uh, runs over again. He'll do his cone drills over again. I think he'll be able to improve on those times and solidify himself as a top five, top ten pick in this draft. So overall, the defensive side of the ball, you know, I was impressed too. A lot of good, talented guys there that, you know, and that's why we got to, you know, I'm not opposed to trading some of these guys to get more of these picks because I'm just so impressed with the depth of talent in this draft.
0: Exactly, exactly. Kevin, did uh, did you have anything to add or? Yeah, I just want to add in,
2: you know, I had uh, a few people hit me up and ask me about the uh, Okuda, quote, injury at the combine, mm. where he took a little little nasty fall and it, and it looked a lot worse than would end up in the uh, head and neck area. Uh, but, uh, you know, Okuda said he's fine. He was checked out. Um, you know, some fear there may have been a mild concussion, but uh, came back that it wasn't. So it's was one of them instances instances where, uh, it looked a lot worse than what it is, but um, but uh, but he's fine. Uh, so just wanted to make uh, make mention of that. And also, when we were just talking about with Derrick Brown, we need to go back in time, really not too long ago. Um, a lot of us are familiar with Hall of Famer Orlando Brown, oh yeah, the offensive lineman. Well, okay. his son Orlando Brown Jr. put in one of the worst combines. Um, Ever, I think it was back in wow. What was it? Yeah, two years ago, 2018. He said the worst uh, ever combine, and it was uh, you know,
0: it was quite rough. He had a
2: 5.85, 40 time. Uh, he only had 14 reps on the bench. Vertical jump, 19 and a half inches. Broad jump, only 82 inches. I mean, what these the- are like some really, really, you know, low numbers, but uh. <laughs> When you look at his resume, voted to the Pro Bowl. Um, I believe he was. Uh, let me see here. Just scrolling through it. So you know, combine is important, but it's not the 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 all important deciding factor. At the end of the day, you know, you're getting paid for what you do in pads, not in not in speedos. So you know, let's let's um, you know, like Will said, let's just. You know, kinda not not let the uh the combine analytic nerds get you all bent out of shape because at the end of the day, we like these players or we watch these players because of what they did, you know, um, on the field, uh, not in their, you know, speedos. So you know just keep that in mind. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and I think, well, the thing you gotta realize about some of these forty times and three cones is just about practicing the drill and perfecting the technique. As it is showing off your athleticism, right? Like the forty yard dash comes down to how you start. You know, if you don't get that start down, I mean, it's going to ruin your whole forty time. I mean, I just think you know, you just have all these elite caliber athletes that just spoil you. So when you see Derek Brown, I'm impressed with a 330 pound guy running a five yeah, one. That's crazy. But since it's not the four eight that Worf's was running, or he's not 370 pounds like Beckham running a five one. It just kind of looks average it's typical average athleticism mm-hmm. but I mean that's all you need from Derrick Brown to me so I mean we'll see man I don't think I don't think his draft stock will go down at all mm-hmm. I still think he's he understands leverage technique you know he draws double teams he's strong powerful pushes mm-hmm. the pocket mm-hmm. I mean his tape speaks for itself you don't dominate in the SEC like that without having some caliber of athleticism
0: facts Let's real talk right there, buddy. I don't know why folks don't focus more on game film as opposed to combine and you know these these drills. I mean, sure, sure that it has its place in the metrics, absolutely. However, nothing is going to get you more insight on a player than game film. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Like 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 we'll say, you know, training training for a particular exercise or training for a particular um, drill is one thing, but when you're out there strapped up, ready to go, you practice and you out there hitting, hitting, you know, the best, going nose to nose with the best. That's what I want to see. That game film, man. Game film is the shit. <laughs> that's just me. But combine's cool though. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. You know, I, I like, I like seeing the athleticism. But you know. As far as critiquing, technique and things of that nature. Real football skill set. Ain't nothing like game film, folks. Yeah, man.
2: And let's put the disclaimer, game film is not YouTube highlights. I think we need to put that out there because, you know, we'll see in in the Panther groups, I've been seeing it for years, people think, you know, watching YouTube highlights and, Automatically saying that's film and oh he's a beast. Well, everybody can have a highlight film.
0: Exactly. You know, yes.
2: You know, <laughs> you know I got you know I got the VHS of me in high school. You know what I'm saying? You know, you look at me, you think I'm a you think I'm a day two pit. You know, I was second team on state. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So oh, yeah. you know anybody can look good with a highlight. Yeah, man. <laughs> Chop it up. You know, get them get them good plays in there.
1: You know. Yeah, I mean I always say film don't lie. I mean I think the combine is you know for guys like Kyle Duggar. He's at Lenore Ryan, he's playing against mm. d 2 competition. Mm. He's not noticed like that. True. Um, he got so he got an opportunity in the senior bowl to play against some top tier competition. But I think the combine for somebody like him, definitely, you know, can help him show scouts how athletic he is, what he yeah. can bring to the table, what his upside potential might be. Yep. So I could see it for guys like him being an important event. But for somebody like Derek Brown, who just dominates on tape yeah. the way he does. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I think another thing, too, I mean, there's no perfect prospect. And I think we all have our draft crushes, and, you know, they, when they have weaknesses, I mean, it is what it is. Derek Brown's weakness, I mean, I think any scouting report will tell you, you know, he just doesn't have that, you know, variety of pass rush moves to complement his power game. But that doesn't make him less of a prospect. Everybody needs something to work on. Mm-hmm. So. No, just take it for what it is. Don't let the combine change your opinion of a player based off what you saw on tape.
2: <laughs> there it is. It will. And talk about that play you shared with us in the chat about Derrick Brown, how he forced to change the direction and still went down, like, with 20 yards to make the tackle.
1: <laughs> yeah, just a high-motor player. I mean, he, wow. he's shown his ability to um, chase down players. He's, you know, he's got good, I won't say great feet, but he is good enough. I mean, he his technique makes up for a lot of that. I mean, he's high. And it's just, you know, he's thing is with him, in 2018, if you watch his tape then, he was, you know, he took plays off. He was kind of lazy and inconsistent and wasn't as dominant as he could be. So all of the um, scouts and interviewers were asking him, how do we know that we're going to get the 2019 Derrick Brown and not the 2018 Derrick Brown? What they meant by that was when you watch Derrick Brown in 2019 film, he's chasing ball carriers down the field, 5, 10, 15 yards, hustling every play, high motor, you know, constant effort throughout the game, you know, constantly disruptive and making plays. Like, where was this in 2018? But Derrick yeah. Brown told them straight up, 2018 yeah. is behind me. You know, we're talking about moving forward now. That's the real me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's, I think that's the guy we're going to get if we end up taking him at seven. And I'd be excited about that. I'd be thrilled to have Derek Brown as a Panther.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I guess we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, if there's some PSL owners listening to this podcast, you you will fully understand what the hell we're about to talk about. Um, so there's some letters that went out. Um, I'm not a PSL owner. Um, uh, Will on? Are you a PSL on Will? I oh no! Nah. I would assume you're not. I'm nah, Not doubting. No. Nah. Because <laughs> you in Florida, man? I don't know how the hell that's gonna work out. <laughs> but our own Kevin Avery got one of those letters, and uh, yeah, I think, I think Temper has something something to uh, to tell the old, old Panther family out there, man. What well, Kevin? What the the hell's this letter about, bro?
2: Well, this letter was. Uh... It was uh, typed up and sent out on February the 20th. Uh, it's nothing long here, so I'll, uh, I'll uh, just quickly uh, breeze on through it. It says, Dear Mr. Avery, thank you for being a loyal PSL owner. We cannot do this without you. You are the backbone and create our home field advantage. Last season, you stuck with us, supporting us all the way through the final game. Yes, I have. personally. I've been at p- every path the home game since 2011, so I like keeping my streak intact.
0: Oh, well, that's right.
2: Uh, So, uh, but uh, here's the fun part Understand this, I am laser focused On building a championship organization On and off the field It takes time to build things up The right way, and sometimes you have to do A little tearing down Before moving forward The changes we made in early January Are the first steps, and I could not be More excited about our future Matt Rule and his staff are working hard Preparing for the 2020 season He is a master developer and builder Who has shown what he can do Look at his history. He constructed winning programs at Temple and Baylor, and he will build an elite program here. Finally, we promise that we will work tirelessly each day to bring you a championship because that's what our region deserves, that's what the players in the locker room deserve, and that's what our fans deserve. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. Mm -hmm. And I look forward to you joining us on this ride. Sincerely, David Tepper. So that is the letter, word for word, Uh, that was uh, sent out to us, PSL owners, about about two weeks ago. Mm. Uh, Like I said, it was typed up February 20th. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, (laughs) you know, I I realize that a lot of fans are going to struggle with the patience that is going to be required for this process. I get it. You know, we're so used to what we've been accustomed to for so long, meteorology inconsistency. Mm. Change is hard for a lot of people to accept. You know, it, you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that for some PSL owners, well, several PS owners, particularly in the lower section, they were uh, quite in an uproar that several roles were. Were, were removed and taken out in order to construct luxury boxes, luxury suites uh, on the first row. Now, I know several papa fans who were affected, but let me just go ahead and keep it real for you. Uh-oh. A lot of those seats, once I saw the sections, a lot of those PL seats were by PSL owners who didn't show when they sold their tickets. Mm. So it's not like they were the original diehard core fans. Now, I don't want to water it down to say that they're not important, but I think a lot of the outrage for this happening um, was kind of overblown as far as the perspective of which people are actually affected. Uh, Again, you know, people are going to struggle with change. You know, in 25 years there's never been no luxury suites in the, in the front row behind the gold pole ever, you know, never. So, you know, these are the type of things that are are, are going to place and, you know, with me sitting up in the five hundred sessions, you know, what I'm saying Team Savage. You know, we uh, you know, we were not affected by this. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, we're gonna sit up there with our, you know, with our with our beer and, and and with our hot fries, and you know, and enjoy the game. But, but overall, as a PSL owner, um, I'm pretty excited. My ticket price did not go up. You know, we had some people thinking, "Oh my God, Tepper." You know, he, he's, he's a billionaire. He's going to raise it. Mine. PSL is the same price that it's been the last couple of years. So um, there's no change in the ticket price there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the uh, ideas of what's going to be happening uh, moving forward with PSL owners mm-hmm. under Mr. Tepper. So um, it's some changes, but a lot of it's much to do about nothing. You know, at the end of the day, you know, this is a business. It's a sports business, but it's still a business. So whatever the owner of this business deems is necessary to uh, affect the bottom line, then, you know, so be it. If it's to bring a better experience for fans who enjoy the game in a different way, then, you know, why not? Uh, And if you can't afford that way, don't hate on those that can. You know, pay what you weigh. (laughs) So uh, that's just pretty much... You know how I feel about the um, the uh, changes that's going on, Tim. Right on, man. Yeah, it just seemed to me with
1: that letter, he's controlling fans' expectations for the short term as well. Mm-hmm. We're talking about sometimes you have to tear things down and rebuild them the right way, and the way described Matt Rule, the master developer Math- and rebuilder. Yes, the architect. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I just think you know, heading into this off season, how much tearing down that this team is going to take place. When you look at the defensive roster right now, so many holes in it. So it's already been torn down to a certain degree. Mm. Know How much, you know, you got guys on the block, which we'll get to later, like Trey Turner. I mean, how many of those types of players are going to get traded, creating more holes? We're going to accumulate draft capital, you know, free up cap space. I mean, I'm excited about it, personally. I can see why some fans are Nervous about the direction that the team is going because they want to reload, try to win every year, win the Super Bowl every year. But, no, we tried that. I mean, how many of us back in August were saying this is the best roster the Panthers have ever assembled? I think we can win the Super Bowl. This is our year. We have this, this, and that. We got Gerald McCoy, Irvin, uh, Mm -hmm. Trey's back, all these key pieces. No weaknesses on this team. We should be able to make a run this year. Mm -hmm. And we saw what happened. We just in a tough cap situation guys got hurt we lacked death because the roster was so top heavy and it just didn't work out we ended up five and eleven in a win now season where we all had super bowl expectations so Tepper's just going to try to do this the right way you know tear it down a bit you know get a younger roster younger core together and start this next chapter of panthers football Mm -hmm. i mean i'm excited about it you know i don't i think um panthers fans should too You know we need to have a new direction for this organization so that we can be able to sustain the success. It's time we get on top instead of taking a dive back. Let's think about our most successful seasons: two thousand or nineteen ninety six, where we made the NFC Championship. Mm. Tank the next year, two thousand and three, make the Super Bowl. Tank the next year because the injuries mostly. No two thousand and eight, you know twelve and four season after that. Went into that long losing, consecutive losing seasons. 2015, top of the world, Mm -hmm. tanked the next year. We just haven't been able to sustain success for consecutive years. So I think by Tepper tearing it down and trying to rebuild a consistent winner,
0: it's something to look forward to. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, Speaking of things to look forward to, apparently our secondary is going to be a lot different. One reason being Mr. Bradbury is taking off for greener pastures, potentially. Um I know in the uh the podcast pregame on uh Instagram live we were talking about that and uh we, we put that question to uh, several fans and they were like, Oh hell no, he is not worth fifteen million. <laughs> so that's that's how that goes. Um so I guess I guess I'll put it to you guys. I mean, is Bradbury leaving a good thing, bad thing? Should we pay him fifteen mils? Is that highly over over what we should be paying the guy? What, what what you guys think? Kev, you wanna go first?
2: You know, for me, should we pay him? Um, uh, you know, this great artist made a song said, Hail to the no, <laughs> to the no 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 <laughs> Hell good, no, no. <laughs> hey, look, you know, um, all jo- joking aside though, don't get me wrong, I think Brad Barry is the top ten cornerback in the league. Yeah. Um, he wants to get top five pay, and lately I I heard he's looking to be the highest paid cornerback in the league. Um whoa. You know, that's a lot for a guy with no provos, no all pros. Um, I think he's yeah. never had no more than what three, four interceptions in a season. I mean, yeah. Hey, but don't, don't get me wrong. I'm 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 a Bradbury fan, so I'm I'm not gonna. I don't want to be perceived as a hater. I'm just stating facts. Um, that's way too rich for our blood. Now, if we didn't have thirty million dollar in debt cap, now we're talking a different story to, re- to keep this man. You know, our current. Um, Thirty-four million without the dead cap would actually be sixty-four million. So now we would have in a lot more position to try to retain someone like a Bradbury. But this is this is what happens when you don't have discipline with your salary cap. You know, you have bad contracts, you have dead money, and unfortunately, homegrown talent that you've you know raised from a newborn up until full grown, you know, now has to leave because. It would literally what he's looking for would literally take half of the salary cap that we currently have. And if I'm not mistaken, we got about almost twenty roster spots to be filled, you know, and that's just on the fifty-three. We're not even talking about camp bodies. <laughs> you know, so for me, I'm you know, I think James Brapper is gonna be if he goes to the right team with the right scheme, and right now it says that Washington is the favorite to hook back up with Rivera. I I think that I think he's going to do well. I've always felt like that he would do better playing more man-to-man than in zone, based on what we saw here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because when he was told, hey, that's your guy, lock him up for the large majority of time, outside of a couple times, he did good. I mean, we're talking about somebody from his rookie year on up that has battled with Julio Jones, uh, Mike Thomas, Mike Evans, and... I think we uh we did a video last year where it showed that for his career, all three of those players when he's covered him, they had they never had no more than fifty yards uh average when he covered him. So, you know, we're talking about a guy that's gone against three of the top five wide receivers, not just in the division, but in the NFL, and held his own. So he definitely has has uh accolades to 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 verify that he's definitely a a top corner. But as far as elites, um, you know, when I think of Stephen Gilmore in, in New England, that's, that's why I see as cream of the crop. You know, someone that can play man or zone and, you know, can excel. But Bradbury, $15 million, dollars and, you know, go get your money where you gotta go get it, man. We uh we, we thank you for your services. You were a class act. You never got in any trouble. Nope. You never did anything to tarnish your name or the team's name. Uh, you's pretty much a low-key guy. I actually got to meet him a couple times at training camp. Um, I always had a smile, just a, a real nice, cool laid-back guy, but at the end of the day, it's a business. Hey man, secure the bad, bro. You know, take care and get that money that could last your family a lifetime.
0: Yes, sir. What's we'll that, Kevin?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of a lot of the fan reaction I think for Bradbury's contract to band is a little bit misguided. He's worth 15 million because that's what the market's paying him. I mean, mm. market value is market value. You know, you're not going to sell your house for less than market value, so why should he sell his services for less than what the market's going to willing to pay him? You know, he will be likely the highest-paid corner in the league, but when you sign a contract, it's not that doesn't necessarily mean he's being paid as the best. It just means the best corners in the league aren't due for contract extensions yet. Mm. If Bradbury signs for 15, that just means when it's time for Jalen Ramsey to negotiate his contract It's probably going to be 18 or 19 Which just kind of sets a bar So I mean I think that's just kind of how the Contract situation works 15 million for Bradbury in 3, 4, 5 years With the cap going up and everything It'll be an afterthought So I do think he's worth The money, I just don't think It's logical for the Panthers to pay him In the situation they're in now With the dead cap The quote unquote tear down and rebuild Situation going on and all of that so I mean I, I don't know. It's just unfortunate we lost another starting quality corner that yeah. we developed after four years and I have to let him walk. But yeah. that's just the nature of the beast, man. I just wish him the best. I think he'll excel anywhere he goes, and we'll just have to find our next, you know, gamble our next Norman and our next Bradbury.
0: Well, I I, I, I have to agree with you guys on the on the fact that Bradbury one is a class act. Two, he 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 did bring it. Um, even when this team had, you know, a mediocre outing from a defensive standpoint, he 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 put his foot in the ground and you know he did his part, man. He he's a quiet guy that that that, that, that covers the best of the best, man. You know he sharpened he sharpened his uh, his sword on some on some serious comp, yeah. You know, so you know I hope he gets paid. I hope he I hope he makes his money, man. But uh, as the pan, as Panther Nation, adios, amigo. <laughs>
2: You know what, Tim, cool part is, you know, uh, we're lucky, we're we're fortunate that his pending departure is coming where this is one of the most deepest talented cornerback classes uh, in in quite a while. So, you know, you know, just, um, you know, yeah, so, you know, depending on how we're going, I mean, personally. If it ended up falling Where we, where we went from James Bradbury To Akuda, you no, know, what I'll do Especially Bradbury I think that's an immediate upgrade <laughs> No, just spit is... You know, I, I, I don't want to say That a college kid is better Than someone that's been playing In the NFL for years But I would say from Overall talent and ability wise You just got to get that um, You know, adjust to the NFL Because he's going to get tested He's going to get burnt You know, he's going to have his moments But I just think that once the light comes on for someone like him, he's the type of player that'll make you get over uh, Bradbury real quick. There you go. This might be more of a question for Kevin,
1: but don't we uh, get a comp pick if Bradbury signs for another team for $15 million, probably like a third rounder for 2021?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, what it is is that uh, if Bradbury gets a contract over uh, $10 million or more for I believe, I want to say four or more years. So basically, if he gets anything over four years, $40 million, uh, we will be getting it, we'll be getting a third-round cop pick uh, for him. So uh, of all the players that's you know that's becoming free agents, uh, he's the one that's going to um, probably be the one that's going to net us a, a nice third-round cop pick uh, in the 2021 draft. So... Yeah, just keep an eye on, um, if you wonder why we're not gonna be signing a lot of uh, people in the free agency, keep in mind that comp picks work based on the number of free agents lost versus number of free agents signed. So let's just say that we lose, I'm just gonna say seven free agents and we only signed four, well then we're gonna get three additional comp picks in the next draft. And comp picks uh, happen in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. Um, it's typically where most of the, uh, the comp picks happen. So, you know, when uh, so when NFL shopping starts and, you know, we're not signing a whole lot of people, keep that in mind. Stuff like that plays a factor in the type of moves that we make. So, um, you know, just something to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, as far as free agency, I think if you sign or release a player that was released, it doesn't affect your uh, comp pick formula. So as far as you know, guys, we're gonna target with free agency. That's why I've been mentioning uh, Vernon Hargraves who was just recently released by the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. So we were to sign somebody like Hargraves to replace Bradbury. That won't affect our comp pick that we get for him. But if we go out and sign somebody like a Byron Jones or an unrestricted free agent that wasn't released, it would um, offset the it that we get for Bradbury. So that's why I think somebody like Vernon Hargraves might be high on the Panthers offseason uh free agent list.
0: Also, um, somebody who's who's been talked about in the uh, Panther organization about being shopped around, quote unquote, is one Trey Turner. That's right, folks. Trey right guard, big baby, five time pro bowler Turner is uh not not immune from being on the uh old uh old trading block. Um, you know, people are thinking, you know, well, we can get a second rounder for him. And, think, like, no, whoa, 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 slow your mo, slow your moe. Not slow your roll, slow your moe, because you mo, cray-cray. Trey Turner has been banged up, injured, at least three, the past three seasons, if I'm not mistaken. He's missed at least two or three games. Um, so, I mean, I hate to see Trey go, but at the same time, I mean, like you guys said, this draft is so... So filled with 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 potential young, you well, know, just straight up badass talent. You kind of you kind of want to get a you know a third round or fourth rounder because you, you might get something out of it. But at the same time, it's extremely difficult to replace a five town Pro Bowler. Let's just be honest. Um, so what, what do you guys what do you guys think about this trade Turner situation? Um, we'll go with you on this one.
1: Yeah, I mean. I had mixed feelings about it. I mean, nobody wants to lose. I mean, I think he finally got his team captain badge last season for a, a few games, mm-hmm. at least at a minimum, I think. Um, he's the captain of our old line been the, you know, centerpiece of that unit for the last several years. No great story just the way he came up. Um, Gerald, Gerald McCoy saw the potential in him in his rookie year, and he just kept getting better and better and has been consistent. You know, people, I mean, even me, you know, we laugh at his Pro Bowls because he's an alternate. Well, why isn't anyone else, you know, put in the position to be an alternate as well? I mean, he's somewhat has earned that reputation mm-hmm. to um, be able to earn those Pro Bowl votes. He's a dominant run blocker, nasty, brings an attitude to our offense. Just a guy you don't really want to lose. I thought he could have been one of the core pieces that we of our offensive line to help rebuild. And as bad as our offensive line was. Do we really want to lose, you know, our first or second best lineman on top of that. And the times that he's been hurt and now, just think of how bad we struggled. You know, they put a meanie Silatolu in there for him. Mm. He struggled. Tyler Larson went in there for him one time. He struggled. So that side of me felt, you know, I didn't like it at first. But then I understand it. I mean, it uh, gives us cap relief next year. You can accumulate mm. draft capital, which will help you. Build a team. I mean, the roster is mm-hmm. gutted. We don't have a lot of cap space, so many draft picks we could get. I'm all for it. Uh, I think Dennis Daly has position flexibility to be able to slide in potentially mm-hmm. at right guard, especially with if they plan on re-signing Greg Van Roten. So that will give you your interior line with Daly, Paradis, and Van Roten, which I think will be a serviceable unit. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I understand it, but I have mixed feelings about it. You know, I like Trey Turner as a player and help, thought he helped build the culture here in Carolina. But, um, I mean, just going forward, we just need to, you know, see what we can get for some of these guys and get draft capital. He's at his peak. Now's the time, best time to try to get something for him. And a lot of teams out there need quality offensive linemen like a Trey Turner. So, mm-hmm. I guess with the new league year starting in a couple
2: of weeks, we'll see what kind of offers we get for some of these guys.
0: Yeah. yeah okay. Kev?
2: Yeah, well, for me, when the uh, when the news came out that this was a possibility, where where actually that they confirmed it, he was being shot around, uh, as Will stated, it uh, kind of had me and my feelings mixed a little bit. Obviously, you know, with me being a trench guy, uh, you know, we're talking about someone that in 2014 was a third round pick. Uh, a lot of fans wasn't really high on the pick at the time. Uh, personally, you know, I was, like I say, I like watching SEC football. I think it's the the NFL Junior League myself Mm -hmm. as far as, uh, you know, talent and, you know, competition week in week out. I mean, you can literally watch any SEC game between any team, two teams, and you see a good quality of football with some great players. But, yeah, overall, I mean, Trey Turner has been someone that has been a stalwart on the offensive line. Uh, His last three seasons, yes, he has missed uh, three games, but he's missed no more than three games. So he's played in 13 games the last three years after playing in every game uh, his first three seasons, Mm. 2014, 2015, and 2016. uh, 17, 18, and 19, you know, nagging injuries. And when he came back, he uh, hasn't quite been the same guy. He was still good, but he wasn't great. Uh, I remember... uh, um, someone pointed out that uh, he hadn't been the same since Fletcher Cox put him on skates that Thursday night game back in 2017. I mean, wow, that was uh, that's first time I ever seen uh, a Trey get manhandled like that. that Dominated. Was, that was abuse lives and living color, boy.
0: Dominated.
2: I, mean, I didn't know a man could move that fast on skates. <laughs> you know, Fletcher Cox was just abuse of that game. It wasn't even wasn't even close. But hey, it happens in the NFL. I mean, you know, I can go. You know, we've shown clips where Trey Turner done. You know, what I'm saying pancake block JJ Watt. <laughs> you know, so hey, every everybody gets handled at one point in time. You you get it and you give it. You know, that's just how the NFL balances out. Yeah. But but yeah, like I said, if we're in rebuild rebuild mode, and if we're saying that this is this particular draft class, as I stated, is deep at positions where we actually need to upgrade then why not get young, good talent at a cheaper cost than to continue paying high costs for talent that's slowly starting to you know, rescind a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, with Trey Turner, we're talking about in 2020, he was due to make $12 million. In 2021, he was due to make $15 million. Mm. So, you know, um, don't get me wrong, Pro Bowl is nice, but uh, you ain't got first or second team all pro on your resume. That's, that's, that's a lot of coins, uh, you know, because we're so used to mediocrity. Well, he's the best we got. Yeah. He may be the best we got, but is his best hold up against the other people's best, you know? Um, I mean, but this is not the not Trey Turner. Like he's, you know, been. I mean, he's still only 26 years old, so he's still a young guy still in his prime, but you know, uh, these injuries the last few years have kind of started, uh, Showing his um, ability not to be as elite as it once was, mm. but so if we can, uh, if we can get a third and a fifth one, I mean hell, we got a third and a seventh for Kelvin Benjamin, who ain't have nothing in his resume but bojangles. I'm pretty damn sure. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Trey Turner can can uh, can flip some fours, two fourths, uh, a third and a fifth, something, you know. So uh, if if it does go down that he does get traded. You know, I appreciate all he's done. If he don't get traded, I hope he just comes back and and uses that as a uh, as motivational. Let, let me show y'all why y'all almost fucked up.
0: <laughs> You'll see,
2: you see, so know, yeah, you but, know fucked up, right? But overall, uh, you know, I'm whatever the organization do, I'ma support it. Amen. I think what um, fans
1: need to prepare themselves for Trey not the only one on the trade block. That's just the name that leaked. So <laughs> I think there's yeah. a lot more guys on the trade block potentially. So just brace yeah. yourselves, man. It's gonna be a wild roller coaster all season. <laughs> At least we got something to talk about though.
0: Hey, <laughs> that's great. Right. And we have you wonderful Panther fans and football fans out there listening to us. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. All right. Um well, you guys have any parting shots? Did we cover everything? Yep, yeah, that's everything. You're just that's hang
1: good. in there. I think the um Pro days are starting this week.
0: So
2: mm-hmm. keep
1: an eye on that. You get to see Matt Rule and who our coaches are googly eyed at. And so far, you know, let's looking at who our guys are looking at at Pro days. We've been able to guess who our draft picks have been able to be. So hopefully they googly eye the guys we've targeted here in four man rush so far. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I bet they have. I bet they have. Um, Now, or Kevin, if. You guys are still doing the mock draft on uh, Facebook and and uh, our website.
2: Yeah, we're still doing them. Uh, me and and Norris, mm-hmm. uh, we did a pre combine uh, mock that we posted. So now that the combine is over, we'll likely be working on a post combine, or, or we might wait to some of these pro days go by and and do it again. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, we was just talking about um, you know what's coming up. Uh, just to let people know with the NFL calendar now we're in the month of March what to look out for. Um, March the 12th by 4 p.m. is when it's the deadline for teams to put their franchise or transition tag on players. Mm. Um, so that's something to look out for. Uh, March 16th through the 18th uh, teams are permitted to start contacting and go into contract negotiation with uh players and agents who will become unrestricted free agents um by 4 p.m. on the 18th so uh that's when the con- the, t- the talking can start and at 4 o'clock on March 18th um that's when you can start announcing the players that uh that you're signing off for free agency so just to let you know um the next few weeks is is gonna really be jumping and a lot of moves gonna be made so uh you know if we're if we're not making no moves on March 18th the world is not ended there you go you know the big baller teams with with 70 80 and 90 million dollars you know this going to be their time to shine you know we're going to be you know we're going to be in you know in the in the in the um, nosebleeds you know eating popcorn watching the show we're not going to be participating in you know 5 years 120 million dollar deals and stuff like that so you know don't faint out when we when we're not you know really that active on the first few days of free agency there you go.
0: Words to the wise, folks. Words to the wise. Well, ladies and gentlemen, on behalf of Kevin and Will and the rest of the Four Man Rush, we'd like to thank you guys for checking out another podcast by the Four Man Rush. I'm um, getting a little closer to that, that 50th episode. We need, to, we need to come up with something special for you guys on the 50th. But anyway, um, thanks guys for checking out the Four Man Rush podcast. Um, We really appreciate you guys. And... Uh, it's gonna be interesting. And if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please, you know, feel free to reach out to us um um on our social media platforms, um Facebook, um, Twitter, Instagram, um, and YouTube and TikTok, um sparingly. <laughs> um and also be sure to check out our uh, our website, um w dot com. Excellent articles and and uh things coming up in terms of uh possible draft picks and stuff like that. So um and a uh, big shout out to all the to all the uh contributors to the four man rush and Norris, Vince, uh Jadarius, um Monty, aka Captain Head Fetty, and uh, <laughs> And my man Larry, man, what's up y'all? Hey ain't, ch- ain't chat with you guys in a in a minute, man. I had to get at you, Monty. <laughs>
2: Don't forget
0: Cornardo. <laughs> and Kenny Kennardo G, a.k.a. Smooth Phillips. <laughs> my you man. Get
1: them on here, yo. Them laughing at uh, Tepper and this stuff, man. Oh, man, they be, dude. They be having me laughing in that chat, man. You got to get them back <laughs> on here, boy. I take they my... don't like Tepper and Rule. It would be nice to get some <laughs> arguments and alternative opinions on here, man. Exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Hey, hey, check it out, fans. We're gonna get them on here. And I'm telling you, you better you better have uh you better have a, a, a box of Kleenex nearby, boy. We're gonna have them tears rolling. Y'all gonna be laughing so hard, boy. Them chats, boy. Ooh, Lord. That's that's gold right there, boy. I don't I don't even comment no more. I just I just read laugh and keep going. <laughs> oh man. But hey, yeah. Appreciate you guys. Um stay tuned. Be uh, be looking out for the next uh, podcast, and we'll see you guys on the social media platforms and all other good stuff. And whether you're listening to this podcast in the morning, evening, or afternoon, we hope you guys are doing well, taking care of yourself, and not eating too much peanut butter. <laughs> hey, y'all have a good one. It's always a pleasure, and as always, keep pounding. And that's a damn clear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah we gotta get them on here man they be having me laughing about clowning they don't like pepper and matt rule hey, every bro. time i say something about <laughs> tepper or rule they start getting all <laughs> <laughs>
0: feelings all up in the fields man in the fields
1: for well, matt rule in nine games next year dog I'm, I'm gonna be on them get them <laughs>
2: Oh, no, I already, I already, I'm already going to be bumping shit. I already, I'm already going to be bumping <laughs> chat. I already
1: know. Yeah, <laughs> no. Hold him. Oh. We're allowed out of when you let it breathe. So, baby, just chill. Yeah. She loves it. We are in public and we get to chill with my partners and we get go back in my cribbage
2: and chill the covers and do we come me and you love us.
0: because The Four Man Rush is brought to you by the love and respect of and for the Carolina Panthers and Carolina Panther fans everywhere. Keep pounding. The Four Men Rush is a non-affiliate of the Carolina Panther organization. All thoughts, assessments, and content of this podcast is directly related to The Four Men Rush exclusively. Thank you.